Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. We're also excited to have Beck Gelding with us this morning, and I'm going to invite her up here to come and share, and why don't we pray for her as she comes. Um, we're going to continue in our series on Paul, the life of Paul, and Beck's going to share on Paul the Evangelist this yeah. morning, which will be exciting. So why don't we pray for her and ourselves? Why don't you just stretch out a hand with me? Lord, I thank you for Beck's clear teaching gift. It's, um, it's beautiful when we can see people stepping into the gifts that you've given them. And so we rejoice with her in that. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would empower her and anoint her as she shares and we ask for our own hearts, Lord, that you would soften them, open them. We would be transformed by your spirit-enabled word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I feel a little bit like God's already said everything that I was going to say, <laughs> which is kind of good. So we must really want to um, let this message across. But I don't know about you and lockdown. Did you pick up any new hobbies? I certainly did my fair share of jigsaw puzzles. I, I don't want to do another jigsaw puzzle for ages. <laughs> Same with bushwalks. No, bushwalks are good. I did a lot of bushwalks. Um, but there was one hobby that I picked up that I didn't expect to love quite as much as I really did. And it was paint by number. Did, uh, yes, Tara, also. Anyone else pick up paint by number? How awesome is that? Just don't, don't zoom in, Bex. Just distance. <laughs> From a distance, it looks really good, right? Um, oh, talk myself up. Um, but, but the thing is about paint by number, I'm not an artist. I don't know how to paint really at all. I dropped art as soon as I could um, in high school. Uh, so I very much have an L plate on when it comes to painting. But anybody can do a paint by number because there's you know, the shapes and the colours and you're just following the rules. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways, I feel the same about evangelism. I mean, last week we had Jonathan Ives, the church planter, talking about Paul, the church planter, and you get me talking about evangelism. <laughs> and that's after the awesome video that Anna did, and it's got John Wimber. He wrote a book about power evangelism. So if you're feeling that evangelism maybe isn't your thing, you're in good company. If you've got your L plates on with evangelism, me too. But I think that the passage that we're looking at today, God really has something for all of us. Uh, so we're going to be, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 14. But just to recap, if you're um, a bit hazy about where we're up to in the story. So Paul, obviously a Jewish man, a Pharisee, um, gets radically, uh, has a radical encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, he's a bit of a misfit because he doesn't quite fit in with um, the Jewish people or the new um, followers of the way. Uh, and for 14 years, he goes back to his hometown of Tarsus. And then Barnabas, who was one who uh, first discipled him, actually says, come down to Antioch. We're, we're planting this church. And so he goes down to Antioch. And Barnabas and Paul are there for a few, um, actually, I don't know how long, a year or two, um, building that church. And at some point, um, the Holy Spirit inspires the church to send out Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey. And so that's where we're picking up the story today. They're on their first missionary journey, and they're very much going into these Gentile regions 
they don't have a, a history of that Jewish background, that Jewish faith. But their standard procedure, operating procedure, when they enter a new place, is to visit a synagogue, um, because at least that's a good starting ground. So everywhere they go, they first locate the synagogue, go and visit, speak to the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles that are in that place, and from there, reach out to um, the, the city that they're in. Um, but one thing, before we launch into the actual passage, one thing that's really good to remember is that all of these stories are written down by Luke. Now, Luke enters the story a little bit later, really subtly, because the, the narrative just goes from he and they and um, describing Paul to we did this and we did that. So he never says, and then I turned up. He's, <laughs> he doesn't want to mention himself at all. Uh, so Luke is a contemporary with Paul and goes on later mission trips with him, but he wasn't here for this bit. And so these stories have been written down because Paul has explained to Luke, this is what happened. And so I wonder how much more Paul told him, and then this is all that Luke has put in. Because at the start of uh, chapter 14, uh, he's in Iconium, uh, and He's sharing again in the, uh, the synagogue, and he says that he faces a bit of opposition. Uh, the, the Jews there have refused to believe, and they're stirring up people and um, poisoning the minds against the brothers. And so it says in verse 3, so Paul and Barnabas spent a considerable time there. So they face opposition. They don't rush off and go to the next place. They find people that don't like them. They don't, like, leave. They stay and they stay for a considerable amount of time. I don't know how long that is. Speaking boldly for the Lord. Uh, and then uh, later in that verse, and the Lord confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. What kind of signs and wonders? What were they doing? Were they like healings? Was nothing. We're not told. Um, but what we are told is that opposition is fine. They stick around for opposition. When you get the death threats, that's when it's time to move on. And so they move on to a city called Lystra. And that's the main um, place that we're looking at today. Um, and up until this point, we haven't really had a great lot of detail about any of the healings that Paul has done. But for some reason, he really focuses in on this one. And it could be uh, because of the mayhem that follows the miracle. Um, it does end up in stoning, just a um, spoiler alert. Uh, or it could be that this is a little bit of a different place because this place doesn't have a synagogue or it doesn't mention the synagogue. And that means there's not that many Jewish people around to form a synagogue. Um, and so it's a really Gentile city. And so maybe that's why he focuses on this miracle. But I um, discovered in my reading, actually, I think there's another reason. And that's because uh, we pick up at verse 8 in Lystra, there was a, a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. Now, if you know your Bible, I don't know how many people, how many lame people are healed in the Bible? Heaps. I don't know. I didn't count either. There's heaps. Like Jesus does it. The other disciples do it. Do you know how many people lame from birth, lame since birth, lame since the mother's womb are healed? Only two are described. One is in Acts chapter 3. And one is in Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are in Jerusalem, and there's a lame man since birth that's brought there to beg for money. 
Um, and so they're on their way into the temple to, to pray, uh, and they get interrupted by this lame man. Paul here is speaking to a crowd, and there is a, a lame man since birth there as well. So both of them are interrupted when they see lame man since birth. And both of them have the same reaction. It says that Paul... Oh, so verse 9. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him. That word, the directly at him, is kind of like the word that we get attention from. So his attention is drawn to the lame man. That same word is used for Peter and John. Their attention is drawn to this lame man. And so I feel like God is really wanting us to see that we need to be interruptible. We need to be able to pay attention to see what God is doing and then to act. And I love it that it says, Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed. Because that's another point where I'm like, Luke, did, did Paul just say, like Luke didn't know what Paul saw unless Paul told him what he saw. So as Luke is sitting there listening to the story, Paul has said, and I saw that he had the faith to be healed. Did Luke at that point say, well, what did that look like? What did you see? Can you describe that to me in a little bit more detail? And then why didn't he write down the answers? <laughs> and I think maybe I was, I was asking God, and it was like, wouldn't we, wouldn't we love that? We would then have a little formula and we'd be like, well, this is the only way. It's in scripture. This is the only way God does it. God does it in a lot of different ways. And so we need to rely on the Holy Spirit um, to lead us in that. And so then we keep going on. There's more similarities. It's awesome. Um, and called, so he called out to the man, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. In the, the passage in Acts 3, when Peter and John heal the man, they say much more flowery language. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and... Um, uh, but the, the result is the same, and the man, a little bit um, further on, does the same jumping and walking. And the jumping there is a little bit like the, the Greek word, sounds a little bit like halloumi, but it has nothing to do with cheese, like it's halloumi or something. Um, and it's only mentioned three times in the New Testament, once in Acts 3, once in Acts 14, and once in John Chapter 4, where Jesus is standing at the well with the woman. Um, it's the first time that he actually reveals that he's the Messiah. And he says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Leaping up, springing up to eternal life. That's the same picture of these um, people that were lame, these men, were leaping, were springing up. Uh, and so because I'm that much of a nerd, I'm like, well, how much is that word used in the Old Testament in the Greek translation? And I love it when God just highlights scripture. There's a prophecy that God would do this, that God would see the lame leaping, and it involves water. So Isaiah chapter 35, talking about the joy of the redeemed, when people are coming um, into Zion, when God calls his kingdom back to himself, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. 
So not only did God fulfill that prophecy already through the life of Jesus, we know that Jesus healed the blind and the the deaf and the mute and the lame, but he also did it through his disciples. First, in the Jewish context, for the Jewish lame man in Jerusalem in the temple, and then for the Gentile as well. And so I really feel like God has not yet finished all of the redeeming that he has planned. And so he wants um, us to work with the Holy Spirit, to partner with him, to see this joy um, overflow in other people's lives. But we need to be interruptible and we need to pay attention to see what God is doing. So straight after uh, these miracles, both, both times, it's gone funny, is it? Sorry. Too much. No, it's okay. Sorry about that. Um, straight after the miracle, there's mayhem in both stories. So in Peter and John's case, they actually get thrown into jail. Uh, and it's the first time they've gone to jail. Um, it's the first time they've had any kind of trouble in the start of Acts. Uh, and so in the mayhem that's faced here, the, the crowd is a Jewish, is a, a Gentile crowd. And so they start to think, oh, these guys must be gods because they're, the people are looking at me like it's totally fallen off. Is that better? That's fine. Is it okay? Okay. Sorry. Um, yes. So they're in the... Um, in this Gentile crowd, and they, they want to start sacrificing animals to them. And you can imagine they've just done this healing, and Paul would be like so excited that God's just done this, and he could see the hubbub in the crowd, and he's like, yes, God, you're getting them all excited. But he doesn't understand, because he doesn't speak Leodosian. I don't know how, like, Lakotian? I don't know how you say that. Um, the gods, because they're saying to each other, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, And Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Um, This is pretty crazy. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out of the crowd and then gave them the message. But the mayhem continues because also after they've given the message, Then the Jews come down, you know the ones that were giving the death threats in the other town? Well, they find out they're in Lystra. They come down to Lystra, they stir up the crowd, and then they stone Paul. And they didn't even, normally if you're going to stone someone for blasphemy or something, you're meant to take them outside of the city and then stone them. But they don't even wait. They do it inside the city and then they think, oh, he's meant to be outside. Then they drag him outside and they leave him for dead. But he wasn't dead. Or maybe he was raised from the dead. We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. But the, um, the followers huddle around him. He's fine. He goes back in. But then again, the next day, trots on his way to the next place. So the thing that I just overlooked then was the message. And the message is actually quite important because this is the first place that he's speaking directly to the Gentiles. And if you notice, what he doesn't mention is anything about the Old Testament. He doesn't actually mention anything, any prior knowledge. He doesn't assume any prior knowledge. Instead, he says, verse 15, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. 
In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from the heaven and crops in the seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And so we see from that message that he gives that it's really important just to start where people are at. You don't have to tell them everything at once, but if you feel prompted to, um, to pray or to, to share in some way, and then they say, wow, how did you know? You don't have to launch into the full history of the Bible and Jesus and everything like that. You can say simply, I'm just human like you, not that super spiritual or anything. It's actually God's work that's happened here. And, but I've got some good news for you about the creator, you know, the one that made all the bush that we've been going on lots of bush walks through and the beaches. How good is it to get back to the beach? Uh, in the past, God might have, it, it might have felt like God wasn't interested in you or uh, you couldn't see him, but he's seen you and he's been providing for you. He's kind and he's the source of joy in life. Paul shows us we need to see what our Father is doing, and we just need to obey. We need to be interruptible and to partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's where the props come in. So I told you how I got into the paint by number. Well, new, and I ordered some more, so it came yesterday afternoon. And I wasn't going to have props. But if you imagine your life... Your day, each day is a blank canvas. And you don't know what's going to come. We are the paintbrush. And God has prepared in advance a whole bunch of works for us to do. Maybe he wants us to pray for healing. Maybe he has a word of encouragement for someone to give. What I like to think of, sometimes when I'm reading scripture and it really jumps out at me, I think, oh, that verse might be for someone else. I'm just going to hold that. I'm just going to carry that around with me in my pocket so that if I get the opportunity, if God stops me, captures my attention, then I know that he wants me to paint it on my canvas, on their canvas. Does that make sense? Is it a good analogy? Blank, blank Graham. He was like, you should have an analogy. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but little by little, sometimes when we paint, we don't know what we're painting. Like you, you start, the way that you do it really is you choose your number that you're going to do and you go across and you get interrupted and that's when you paint that color. And you can't tell by the blodges necessarily what the, the painting is going to be. I don't know if you can. It's like a sunset and this like wooden rafter. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but I don't actually think, like, and as we, for me, because I feel like I've got my L plates on, this is really helpful because I feel like God gives us, um, he prepares us for, in the, in the training as we go. We're not expected to see someone and know that God is going to just, and just say to them, stand up and walk and that it's going to be a miraculous thing like that. It's okay to say, hey, God, what, what have you got for me today? How do you want to use me as your paintbrush? I'm just a paintbrush in your hand. Use me how you want to use me. What, what paint are you, have you put for me to use today? 
And, and maybe as you get better, you don't even need the lines. Maybe he'll be like Bob Ross, just paint a happy little tree or something like that. I don't know. Um, but to, just, just to reflect, just as an example, so a couple of weeks ago, I felt that there was a word, a word of encouragement to give to a work colleague. Now, it's really weird when you're working from home and every meeting is on Zoom. Um, you're not bumping into people. You really, if you're going to meet, then you're organising a meeting. And so this person, I didn't have any reason to email and, and I didn't feel like I could just send them a Teams message with this like little word of encouragement. So I thought, Lord, how is that going to happen? Like I never, in, I never interact with this person on a day-to-day -day basis. But sure enough, I came to a Zoom, we had a team meeting, and I clicked on, accidentally, I clicked on the meeting too early. I hate doing that, because then you fit, like you're too early, like you're a bit too keen or something. Um, so, but I clicked on it, and, and I thought, oh, because I was just, oh, anyway. So I clicked on it, and, and then this person joined the, the meeting as well, like early. And so I had 30 seconds, and I was like, hey, I've been wanting to tell you, blah, 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 blah. And this person was like, oh, thanks. And then the next person joined the Zoom and conversation over. Like, <laughs> and I don't know the fruit of that, but I know that God does. God will use that. And so it's, it's not that we, it's not up to us to paint the masterpiece. We don't have to be good at painting. We just have to be the paintbrush. And one final thing because I wasn't sure if I'd have to, I've obviously talked really fast. Um, <laughs> one final thing was, if, even Jesus, when he sent out his 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10, he sends out his 72 disciples to do just this, to do mu miracles and message, to take the kingdom of God and to bring healing and to um, bring deliverance to the people. And it says that he sent them out to the places he was going to go. So, Jesus is always coming up behind you to be able to um, fulfill the, the seeds that are sown, to see fruition. But So they're, they're sent out to do these things, and they come back full of joy. Oh, it's so great. We saw these people healed, and these people were delivered. And it was awesome. And Jesus says, it actually says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy in the Holy Spirit, says, I praise you, Father. There's a whole trinity right there. And all of them are praising and full of joy at the fact that the people of God are partnering with the Holy Spirit to do this stuff. Don't you want to see that joy in Jesus' eyes as he looks at us and goes, yes. But the thing is, he says, don't rejoice because the spirits listen to you. It's not about the works that you're doing, but rejoice that your name is written in the, um, in the book of heaven. Should I quote that properly? I probably should. Um, rejoice that your name is, your names are written in heaven. So it's not, about, um, it's not about the works. It's actually about the relationship. Your names are written in heaven because you're in relationship with me. And so he wants to partner with us because he, he just loves us. And he wants to work with us because he just loves other people too. And so he wants to use us as his paintbrush to bring um, his purposes out in the world. And so I don't know about you, but I know there are more people that are eyes are blind, spiritually and physically. There's more ears to be unstopped. There's more lame that need to leap like a deer. 
There's more tongues that need to shout for joy. And I want to see water gushing forth from the wilderness and streams in the desert, living water. Um, so let's stand and come pray. Thanks, Beck. I love it, you know, when God weaves <laughs> themes and things that he's saying all the way through the service. So we're just going to take a, a few minutes now just to allow the Spirit to settle the things in our heart that he's been speaking to us. I love that picture of let's just be the paintbrush and ask God, what's the color today? It's very simple. So I'd just love to invite you right now um, just to open your hands if you feel comfortable to do that, just as a sign to say to the Lord, I'm available. I want to be your paintbrush. And we're just going to wait on the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, again, we welcome you to come to speak to our hearts, to minister to us, to open our ears and our eyes. Come, Holy Spirit. Just be aware of what the Lord's doing in you. Aware of who he's bringing to mind. Aware of what he's bringing to mind. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. I just got a sense to pray for courage and boldness. So we go into this week. It can be scary even to be the paintbrush. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, we ask for that again. We ask for your boldness to come and fill each one of us. Lord, as you place people on our hearts, whether it's people on the street, the barista, even people in the Zoom meeting. <laughs> Lord, will you give us your boldness? Give us your courage. Let's just wait on him. He does not send us out without equipping us. So equip us, Holy Spirit, today. Thank you, Lord.
more of you, Lord. Fill us up. More of you. And some of you may, you, you know you need to start, but you don't know where. And I just got the sense that the Lord, he just simply says, just ask me. Maybe just begin your day. Lord, where do I start today? And he, um, he never fails to answer. I love what Beck was saying about um, being willing to be interrupted. And um, it's funny, as I'm looking over everyone here, <laughs> you know, with masks on, the thing that's still visible are our eyes. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel walking around, um, you know, even in the shops. It can feel quite closed and can feel like people are quite closed. And, um, but the Lord still kept our eyes open. And so even wherever we go, even to the shops or wherever it is, to ask the Lord to give us eyes, his eyes to see, um, to see people, to really see what he sees. So Lord... As we go out today, as we go into our week, we commit ourselves to you. We offer ourselves to you, that you would use us. Lord, would you give us the patience to be interrupted? Would you give us the eyes to see what it is you're doing? And would you give us the courage to partner with you? and to step into those things. And Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your light break through the darkness in our neighborhoods and in our nation. So come, Holy Spirit, come use us. In Jesus' name, amen.